Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Philippians chapter 2. We, are, we made it through a whole verse last week. <laughs> How many are ready? You're ready to learn something. All right. How many, you, you're in faith. You, you think you're going to get something tonight? Everybody in agreement? Let's pray on that then. Let's, let's agree together right now on that. Father, we just thank you. Lord, right now we just, we set aside all the, the thoughts of the week, the potential distractions, the harassments of the enemy, those pressures. Lord, you know what's going on in this room, and you don't have an ounce of fear about it, and what's going on in people's lives that are watching live stream. And you don't have an ounce of fear about it. You have faith for us, Father. You have strength for us. Your anointing and your power destroys yokes and removes burdens. Lord, you're not intimidated by what the enemy comes up with. He's never come up with a weapon that you already didn't have an answer for. And so, Father, right now, all of us together in agreement in faith... We declare that we're going to hear from you tonight, that you're going to speak to us. And even while we're sitting in our seats and while people are watching online, Lord, I thank you that your spirit's going to energize people, that you're going to strengthen and encourage them tonight, that you're going to minister life to them. Father, as the good shepherd, you're going to help me go to right, just the right pasture tonight, just the right place to drink fresh, cool water, just the right place to lay down, just to sit down for a while. Lord, that you're going to help me by your spirit. Satan, you are defeated. And you are so defeated. You, you're so dense. You haven't figured out that you lost already. And so we rub it in your nose in the name of Jesus. We use the weapons that we have, which are mighty to pull down strongholds. And we declare that the covenant is established in the blood and body of Jesus Christ. That the blood is still speaking and it's declaring over us and has declared over us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we don't even have to muster up a bunch of emotion in this. You have to flee, devil, and your demons in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And so we believe you for utterance tonight, Lord, for boldness I thank you that grace will be imparted, that truth will be revealed, that blinders on the eyes of people will be removed in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. Amen. All right. So last week, we were able to get through one whole verse in chapter uh, two. We're doing really good. But how many know there can be a lot in a verse? (laughs) Verse 21 in this chapter is a short verse. And in and of itself, but it carries such profound truths that it does not surprise me that we were stuck there the whole service. When the Bible records the name and heart of a minister, it is not by accident. Talking about Timothy. God found in Timothy a person who would set aside his own interests to fulfill the Lord's. This is honorable and worthy of our close attention in order to measure our lives as a disciple against his. 
So when you are, as you are serving the Lord or as you're doing what you're doing, as far as for the Lord and for his kingdom, do you, and we looked at this last week, so this is a little bit of a review off of verse 21, do you seek your own? Do you plot your own? Do you know that a lot of people, most people, that come to church, and they should come to be fed. There should be something in you when you come to church, when you're in worship, when you're in a, uh, in a meeting like this type of setting where you're coming for your own. But most of the church world, especially in America and in other places, with the affluence that we have in America, with the uh, prosperity that we have, all, of those th- all the things that we are blessed with, most people come to a church because it meets their needs. Am I wrong? Do you know how many times I've heard that? People are thinking, did I say that to them? <laughs> now, now, Wednesday nights is a little different than Sunday, but this is discipleship. So discipleship's a different level. See, Jesus did not come to be served, but to what? So in other words, he didn't come to the earth looking for me and you to fulfill his needs. Amen? He didn't do that at all. Now here's the interesting thing about that, and there is a truth here. We need a Savior. (laughs) We absolutely do. But the longer you walk with the Lord, and the more you live from the treasure within and not by the dictates of the flesh, the less you'll think about you. And that, that, that whole idea, and actually really the gospel and the renewal of the mind and, and the scriptures and, and the truth about the scriptures and all of these things, that whole, what that is and how that, it's, it's totally counter to our natural flesh. Because your flesh will go, well, if I do that, I won't get what I want. Watch this. I won't get what, well, I'll just put it in the need category. I won't get what I need. And it takes what? It takes faith to live from the spirit within and not from the flesh without. It takes faith. If, if I say, okay, if I, if I have, let's just say naturally, I have 20 bucks to my name until... Uh, you know, the end of the month. And I, I have, you know, I need, this, I need to have this 20 bucks till the end of the month. And the Lord says to me, I want you to give that 20 bucks to Shane. Yeah, Shane's in. <laughs> yeah, you better do it, yeah. But what, is the nat- what does the natural mind say? Well, my budget is... So my natural mind... So what, what is being challenged? What's being challenged is, will I step out in faith, give to Shane, and then believe God that he's going to supply all my need according to his riches and glory? It's a challenge. But, and in that, when we obey, that's what pleases God. And then people say, well, does the, does the money always manifest right away? No, not always. <laughs> you know, uh, the Lord's not every two weeks on payday. 
But he's, he, you know, somebody said he's usually never early, but and he's, he's always just right on time. <laughs> okay? When it comes to these things, and when it comes to living from within, it costs the flesh something. Um, laying down your, think about this, Jesus died for sinners. So we shouldn't be surprised that sinners will take all the time and never thank, thank us. Um, this is going to be a fight for you. <laughs> but you'll make it through. We shouldn't be surprised if we do good and they pay us with evil. And how many know that doesn't feel good? My natural response is, you stinker. (laughs) If it wasn't for me doing this. (laughs) But we actually should be, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to suffer with you. Come on. I know this is, some of this, it's it's wonderful because, uh, you know, I was trained in Word of Faith camp. But what people don't realize is, unless you sat under Brother Hagin's teaching, you didn't know he taught these things. He, it's, it's one thing to follow a pioneer in an area, an apostle of faith in an area, and, and kind of sink in behind what he's already plowed out and talk about your overcoming. And Brother Hagin did this. See, people don't realize this because they... They, they just, you know, they go to YouTube and see what somebody said about him instead of actually go into his teachings. You know, oh, he's the faith guy. He's the faith guy. You know, 10% of his books were on faith. The rest were on other subjects. 10%. I was watching him the other day, and he said, he said a pastor uh, that he, he was ministering uh, at a conference with this other pastor, and this pastor had shared with him that he had a, a, a person in his church who, who um, was going to go to his school, and the pastor said, I wouldn't do that. He didn't recommend it. So he's telling Brother Hagin this. And, uh, and the student just felt like, you know, or the, the young man just felt like, no, I, I need to go there. And uh, he came back uh, during Christmas. I think it was or after his first year. And the pastor said, well, have you got it all figured out? Did you get all that faith stuff figured out? You know, kind of derogatory toward him. And he said, do you learn, learn everything about faith? And he said, you know, pastor, actually, I learned about the love of God. And when he said that, the pastor started crying. And so did the young man. And the pastor repented right in that moment. And he realized, wait a minute, I've, made a, I've, I've drawn a conclusion here based on the opinion of someone else. Or what I heard somebody say. In other words, he, in, in one of his, uh, I remember uh, hearing this being relayed about a camp meeting he was at. And, you know, he taught, of course, biblical prosperity and stuff like that. And he was talking about uh, how faith works. And all these ministers, and, you, and I, could, I could, listen, I could say their names, I don't know them, but I could say their names, and you'd know who they are, because they're here today. They're ministering today. And a lot of them, 
cut their teeth on Dad Hagen. They did. Kenneth Hagen. And, uh, and, and he starts going into what he had to believe God through to get where he is. And you can all of a sudden, this, this one minister who's a well-known minister till today, relayed, all of a sudden, you felt all the, these famous preacher boys who, you know, they're driving Cadillacs and all that stuff, they realize, wait a minute, we're not as strong as we thought we were. Because the man who taught them starts going down the list of what, the, what he went through to get to where the movement was at at that point, and they realized, we're, how, how many, you know, sometimes you're catching, you know, young people do this, they look at their parents, I did it, and go, and, and, or grandparents and think, man, I came out of Bible college, I thought, I know more than my parents and my grandparents. Well, I, made a, I may have known, like, knowledge more, but I'll tell you what, I had a lot to learn, and still do. It, it, it is a, um, the Word of God has the ability as you study it and you keep growing and, and you're, you, you're walking through life, you, you, your pers- my perspective over time has changed and it should continue to. You, you, start, to, uh, you start to get, you're less and less impressed with what you know and you're looking for genuine faith. So I'll just put it to you like this. The Lord through the years, we had a healing meeting in an Episcopal church one time. I mean, official robes and, you know, big Bibles and crosses. And I, I ministered in an Episcopal church for my grandparents, because my grandparents on my, uh, on my uh, mom's side uh, went to the Episcopal Church over here, um, over by Rocky Mountain College. And I can tell you this, both my grandparents were saved and, and spoke in other tongues. And they went to the Episcopal Church. Well, guess what? Their father, Father John, he was saved and he spoke in other tongues. And he's an Episcopal. Like, wore the whole deal. Cast out devils, lay hands on the sick. So we got to be careful, lest we think we know. Because God's got his people everywhere. He does. We got to be careful. That was the thing about Brother Hagin, and even his, his, his uh, kids with their ministry and stuff, and I was talking to a minister that works real close with Brother Hagin's daughter. Um, how many of you ever heard of Harrison House Books? Pat Harrison, she's her husband and her founded that. Um, I don't think they own it anymore, but they started that. But anyway, Pat would have in, you know, like a Baptist minister to her conference. And this minister that I was talking to that works with her said, you know, you know why, Pat, why did you bring in <laughs> this person? And she didn't even, Pat didn't even answer. It's like, shut up. <laughs> you know, I'll bring in who I want to bring in. And then they ministered, and the, this other minister mentioned to me, oh, I see why. Because, and this is something that I see here with Timothy, why put him in here? Why mention his name? 
It wasn't because of sin. You know, sometimes people's names are mentioned because the, the Lord says, don't do that. How about Ananias and Sapphira? Okay, we don't want that. <clears throat> but in this case, Paul says, and the Spirit of God through Paul says, hey, pay attention. This guy, I don't have, he, he won't seek his own. So the question was, do I seek or plot my own? Am I, in, in serving in the kingdom, is my motivation to make sure that I get everybody around me to do what I think is right? You know, like I heard a minister say, this, people would come up, you need to preach on this, you need to preach on this. And finally, he just looked at this person, and he said, look, I don't even preach on what I want to preach on. Why would I preach on what you want me to? See, people think... <laughs> Oh, I'm glad we can laugh about this. I'm believing God for holy, holy joy anointing. <laughs> because it, it, here's the thing. People think, well, you know, if, if, and I used to think this way. If I was in the lead, I would do this. I had to call former minister that I worked for and apologize. Because I judge situations immaturely. Now, I didn't do it maliciously. I did it ignorantly. And the Lord really ministered that to me. But, I, but here's the thing. You don't know unless you're there and you're in that position. So leave it alone. Amen. Amen. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Well, this preacher did, the, you know, the, the, all the, the scandals, the things that are going on. I shouldn't say scandals, but the things that are coming out about different ministers. Guys, leave it alone. Don't post about it. Leave it alone. Don't touch them. Don't. I don't want it in this church. I don't. I don't want it here. Well, it's horrible what they did. Huh? Well, I've done horrible things. Do you want me to go down the list of things I've done? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've got one no. I'll take that. <laughs> Just leave it alone. People say, well, I can't receive from this ministry or this ministry anymore. Listen, David, you receive from David. You read his words. And he committed adultery and murdered the guy. Just be careful. Because the church world loves to do this. Well, they put on, the, they put on the, the scribe and Pharisee robes, don't they? They just cloak up in that religious spirit. And they wonder why the congregation is critical against the, the leadership. Because criticism is coming. It's the spirit of it. I don't have to judge anybody, amen? How about you? If you're so smart you know everything and can't be taught, you're smarter than I want to be. <laughs> yeah, don't throw stones. All right. The other question I had, am I motivated by Christ's interests or, my own, or am I using the gospel as a cloak for personal gain? Isn't this good? The Lord challenges me with this. Because I'm a minister, so I'll sit and 
I, I have sat in meetings for years going, I should be preaching here. And the Lord would say, why? And until I fixed that, I never preached there. But the moment that the, I allowed the Lord to deal that, with that in me, and he started to crush it. <laughs> he crushed it, boy. <laughs> he really knows how to get after it. He knows how to, he knows how to just get on to something that he knows is going to hurt me. That's why he gets after it. And he just knows how to spank it out of me. And that's just the truth. People say, well, listen, the Lord disciplines me. I'm not being punished. Because I'm, I'm a child. I'm disciplined. And so he'll get it. And when he, once he gets it out of me... And, I, and, and you say, how do you know it's out of you? Because I can sit there and receive from the minister and not think about what I would say. <laughs> this is how it works, right? And I had to learn that. So that means I sat there and I went, now, because I'm a preacher. Well, you guys know that. <laughs> Duh. I mean, I, it's, it's a, there's a call in me to do that. But I'd sit there and I'd go, and my mind would start to go, oh, I wouldn't do that. And, I would, and I'd go, stop it. Just inside me, not out loud, you know. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> my wife would look at me like, what did I do, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> but, but I would sit there and just go, nope, nope, I'm going to listen. Lord, show me. Well, you don't agree. That doesn't line up with the, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. There are things that I used to think I knew, and I see them in the Word, and I'd think, it should play out just like this. And then I'd watch uh, men and women of God that have lived with the Lord and in fellowship with Him for years, who didn't do it just that way, but God brought them through trial after trial after trial. They had victory after victory after victory, and it didn't look pretty, but they're further along than I am. And that's when I would sit back and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I remember this. Oh, I don't know if I should share this. I, here's the reason why. Because my kids get mad at me when I use them as an illustration. Yeah, I know, yeah. Actually, they're all upstairs. I don't have any more downstairs. They're all teenagers now. Well, Ian's 12, I guess, but... <laughs> but anyway... I can't, I can't do it. Okay, it'll be, it'll be an illustration down the road. But I've been in situations where a seasoned minister is doing something and a younger person that has a call on their life, younger than me, okay, has a call on their life. They know, they, they know the Spirit of God. They sense the Spirit of God. This person shared things with me at times where I know, okay, this is the Holy Spirit. And uh, they're like, they, this seasoned minister is going a direction, and they're like, this isn't whatever. And I looked at the person, I said, look, wait and see. And then it t- came time for the ministry of, of this particular thing. They did it, and the place, the anointing just, wham, hit the place. But because it wasn't what you know, maybe the modern person would do. They thought, oh, this isn't going to, nobody, and, and everybody just, res- you could feel the presence of God just come in the room. And I went, I looked at the person, I went, in the service. 
Because I knew what was going to happen. I knew that minister was right. Because I'd, seen, I'd done the same thing. <laughs> you, know, that, uh, you know, if I could get up there and preach, I'd really straighten these people out. Oh, that has hurt me a few times. <laughs> like, uh, well, the Lord would say, okay, big boy, if you're so amazing, I'm going to take you off the speaker list. And then the, the head minister of a conference, or so, hey, you're, not, you're not on this year, and I get to sit there and listen and keep my heart right and still give offerings. Well, if they're not going to have me speak, I'm not going to give money. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the question for me is, and the Lord to me, why should he have me speak? Now, this applies any, I'm applying it to minister, ministry type stuff, but it applies everywhere. People say, well, I'm in line for the promotion. Why? What's your heart? What's my heart? Right? So, um, the scripture is true here. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a what? Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? So, Ed Cole said this, the popular notion is that maturity comes with age. Not true. You get old with age. Maturity comes with the acceptance of responsibility in every area of your life. That's how maturity comes. Not with age. Well, I've been at it longer. Well, you got gray hair. That could just mean you're a baby with gray hair. It could mean that you're just a big old baby. <laughs> or I'm just a big old baby with gray hairs. Because age does not define maturity. I've watched old people pitch fits like four-year-olds. And you do have the motivation to paddle them as well. All right. Verse 22. Let's go there. We're going to get through another verse. Paul says this. About Timothy, he says, but you know his proven character. His what? Proven character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the what? In the gospel. The Amplified says this, but Timothy's tested worth, you know, how as a son with his father, he has toiled with me zealously in serving and helping to advance the good news the gospel. The word proven means experience or trustiness. The word means tried character. Proven means proven means means tried character. The purpose of putting someone, this is still the definition of proven, the purpose of putting someone or something to the test for the intent of obtaining approval status. So God never tests you to destroy you, but to approve you. Does that make sense? Okay. Timothy was tried 
by tasks and suffering in serving in the ministry with Paul. How many think there were days Timothy felt like, I'm not going to let Paul tell me what to do one more second. Now people, we read the Bible and we, we imagine silly things like they weren't human. How many know ministry with Paul wasn't always fun? Remember when Barnabas and Mark, they separated from Paul? Who's hanging out waiting? Silas, right? The next thing, they go to a town. What happens? Somebody gets delivered, right? Amazing. Next thing you know, they're beaten with rods and in prison. How many think Silas might have gone, Lord, are you sure this was your will? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe Silas sat back and said, you know, Lord, Paul has a reputation. <laughs> you know? I mean, they did, just, they did just have a big fight with another major minister in the body of Christ too. And yet, the Lord told Silas, and Silas was submitted enough to go, yep, I'm going. Now watch this, I want you to see this because this will help you. Paul, from Paul's perspective, watching Timothy through all of these trials, tasks, suffering, different things, uh, he concluded with the Holy Spirit that Timothy was a faithful and trustworthy bondservant of Christ that could continually be promoted. That's what he concluded. One commentary says this, no one received Paul's approval without having the goods. Well, <laughs> that's tough, you know? Especially today, because we love gifting. But we don't like testing. Well, you don't know how anointed I am. It doesn't matter. If you're not tested, you won't last. That's why metals are tested. To see if they'll be strong enough, not only for purity, for character, but to see if they'll be strong enough to withhold the pressure that comes against them. And God's the exact same way. How many know God doesn't use junk? Now people say, well, you're calling people junk. No, no. Your value is determined in salvation by the price that God paid for you. But your value and use is determined by your faithfulness. You don't lose your salvation because you, you know, because you do something you shouldn't. It's not how that works. But in service to the Lord and deeper levels with the Lord, there's a proving. People like to think, no, no, I have all the revelation that Paul did. I doubt it. I doubt it. So, this way of thinking can seem counter to grace, but it's actually grace. Realize that what is under scrutiny here is not our salvation or God's gifting, but rather what we do with that grace. Many times people have the idea that because we are graced or gifted or talented, we qualify to walk in the fullness of that call. Whatever it is, I don't care if it's in business, I don't care if it's in, whatever it's in, whatever sphere that it is in, they think we qualify to, to walk in the fullness of that call, but the reality is the scripture is packed with evidence that, that multiple provings must take, must take place first for God to promote us, Okay? But life in the Spirit New Testament commentary said this, Timothy's character was weighed and assessed. So you're saying, you're telling me that Timothy was in positions where he had to choose between right and wrong. Yes. 
And you're telling me that out of those decisions, it would determine how God promoted him. Yes. Just like in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were told not to eat from one tree. Now think about this. They could have eaten from millions. All they had to do was stay away from one. And what did the nature, come on, oh, it's God, I mean, if it's just that one, it's got to be amazing. No, the Lord's right, it's death. That's what it is, right? So Timothy's character was weighed and assessed. He served, served means to be a slave or to be in bondage. If you look it up in the Greek, it means to obey or to submit. Two words your flesh hates, and mine too. The thing about serving that our flesh hates is that it is not being served. (laughs) Don't you love that? The Lord gives me these. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) The thing about serving that your flesh and my flesh hates is that the flesh is not being served. When I, if I serve Shane, that means he's getting what he desires and I'm not, which takes what? Faith. Because as I'm serving Shane according to what the Lord has told me to do, I'm in faith that the Lord will provide for me. Does that make sense? So I'm looking at this from the perspective of who? From the perspective of the Lord. Really, we should serve with the same mentality that the Lord had. Do you know Jesus was not like, well, I'll go down there if some of them are going to believe. <laughs> that's not how. He did it to show his love, and that's it. He, didn't, he was not motivated. His, 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 his motivation was not driven by, I'm going to get something back here. It was all I want you to see as your creator how much I love you. And then you can choose. Amen? That's what we talk about, unconditional love, right? Okay. All right. So, there are no Christians who live according to the dictates of their flesh that will reach this level of obedience. This level of obedience takes intentional pursuit and diligence. I believe these are the highest levels of faith. I just, that's what I've seen. So, we see that Paul watched Timothy with proven character, submitting his life and desires to, be, to become obedient to the will of Christ. Timothy learned to faithfully not seek his own. How? How did he do that? The answer is found in the statement, he served me, Paul said this, he served with me in the gospel. Now watch this. Timothy was not serving Paul because he liked Paul's personality. Do you see that? Now, I believe they loved each other, and I believe there was camaraderie there and brotherhood. But do you know you can learn to like somebody? In other words, I'll put it to you like this, and I've shared this before. I heard somebody say one time, uh, you know, they, they felt like the Lord ministered to them, maybe he did to them. It didn't work for me, but maybe he did to them. But they, they made this statement. They said, you know, I don't, the Lord, he's, this minister said, the Lord said to me, you don't have to like him, you have to love him. 
And so I took that on. The only problem was I was leaning too much toward the not liking. (laughs) Am I the only human here? Okay. And so because of the tendencies where I tend to be weaker and need to be more aware of my flesh, that statement didn't work for me. So I was praying about it one day, and the Lord said to me, if you love them enough, you'll like them. He said, if you love them the way I do, you'll like them. And I'm like, Lord, I want to go with what the other guy, what you told him. You know? (laughs) No. So what do I have to do? I have to adjust myself, right? So then what do I do? I take my perspective of a situation that could be, that I could get in the flesh about, and I go, okay, Lord, show me how you see this person, or this situation, or this family, or my family, whatever it is. Do you see what I'm saying? And then from there, I, he begins to minister to me, and I found this has is, this, this is happened. I don't get irritated anymore. Because I'm not thinking on the wrong thing. And all of a sudden, those emotions that I thought were so powerful, I'm kind of like, well, you know, whatever. That's just kind of how they are right now. And I'm not irritated. Why? Because I'm serving the Lord, or like Paul said with Timothy, he served me in the gospel. There's a bigger reason why we're together. There's a bigger reason why we're going to get along. There's a greater cause that is eternal, that gives me empowerment to say, oh, we love the whole body of Christ. Well, they just, you know, you know <laughs> they just, they just badmouthed you all over the place. Yeah, love takes no account of a wrong suffered. Well, they cursed you. Well, then I blessed them. Well, it's not fair. Well, the Lord's my defense. Right? So how did Timothy do this? He served with Paul in the gospel. Disciples of the Lord remain healthy internally and in relationship when they keep their focus on the gospel. This is one way to live unoffended. To go ahead and throw it in there for the bait of Satan. In other words, we live unoffended. Why? Because our focus, we're healthy internally and in relationship because our focus is the Lord. It's His commission. It's His call. It's His ways. It's His things. It's not my own. I'm not in this for me. My motivation is not how Dale can make sure that I become what I'm supposed to become. My motivation is, oh, Dale's sacrificed his life on the altar. Come on, we talked about this. I'm going to go ahead and pour out my life on his sacrifice to make it even a sweeter smell. And people say, well, yeah, but if you pour out your wine on his sacrifice, who will, the Lord will provide. And that takes what? Faith. Because I'm not seeing in the natural what I desire. I'm fulfilling what somebody else desires. Paul said, I have nobody like-minded, equal-souled like Timothy who will naturally care for your state. So in other words, he said, I'm sending you Timothy, 
Not because he won't go around trying to uh, absorb everything that you have for his own personal gain. He has a gospel, a Christ-centered mentality. He'll come into the situation, look at the situation and go, how can I help them connect with God better? How can I help them mature in their faith? Guys, watch this. When that is your motivation, you can correct your brother and sister in Christ. I'm going to say this again. When that is your motivation, when discipleship, gospel truth is your motivation, you're not afraid to deal with confrontation. Why? Because I'm not afraid of you. Why are you not afraid of me? Because I'm doing this in love and there's no fear in love. Come on. If, there, if, if the motivation is love, there'll be no fear. Amen. A couple more and then we'll stop here. A couple more uh, comments here on this verse. <laughs> We're going to get through one verse again. I think the Lord's trying to prove something to me. All right. Paul appeals to the Philippians' own experience to demonstrate that Timothy has, in fact, proved himself. This proof implies that Timothy's character was weighed and assessed, no doubt through shared experiences, and had withstood the test. Timothy served with Paul for the sake of the gospel. Think about this. Paul also said he had to deal with Timothy about his fear level. But he stayed. Amen? So people say, well, I'm just get afraid. You can beat it. Timothy did, you can. With the power of Christ. Amen? All right. Paul here uses a word related to doulos, the very character Jesus assumed in, the, in his incarnation. In other words, Timothy modeled for the Philippians the very lifestyle Paul advocated they assume. Timothy's commitment is not only to Christ and to the gospel, but also to Paul. And I would, I would say this, it is to Paul because it's to Christ and the gospel. Amen? When our commitment is holy toward Christ and the gospel, it will also be to our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. One reason Timothy had Paul's mind and soul was because of the many years that he had traveled with him. Paul had many good men who were trained under him, but none who better understood his heart and passion for the gospel. For example, Titus was a troubleshooter. Titus was sent into many areas to begin works and pull existing churches into shape that had gotten out of line. People say they did that back then? Yeah, and it happens today too, especially in larger denominations. They know who the ministers are that can go into a church and find the problem issue and go jerk and pull it out and pull that congregation back together. Amen? <laughs> Some of you are looking at me like, that happens? Yeah, it does. <clears throat> Yet despite his great ministerial abilities, Tim, uh, Titus did not have the pastor's heart of Paul or Timothy. So he, he was kind of a wrecking ball, I think. He'd come in and shake things up and then take off. Paul said Timothy was like a son to him. This is what Bobby Andean said. When Paul left the church at Philippi, he, not, he, he, he did not leave them in the hands of just anyone. Paul chose Timothy to stay with them because he knew and trusted him. Paul shows here the most important part of a minister's of a minister's or disciple's life is the relationship they have with those around them rather than the knowledge or qualifications they possess. The reason why Paul recommends Timothy to the Philippians is the relationship the two had and not, and not Timothy's popularity or the number of sermons he knew. Amen. He loved people. 
He knew them. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.